are listening to Win Win, a podcast brought to you by the global nonprofit organization Win Women in Innovation. Each episode features inspiring innovators from the startup world, innovation consultancies, and Fortune 500 companies who share their innovation secrets and career trajectories every Monday. As for me, I'm your host, Zoya Kozakov, global product lead at Win by Night and product manager by day. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Win Win Podcast. There is so much to share with you, so I will kick it right off and attempt to keep it short. Today's episode was taped live at Money 2020, which is a financial services conference where I was lucky enough to be a speaker on behalf of Women in Innovation. So we were literally taping this in the middle of the conference while people watched, and you will hear the background noise as a heads up. One of the conclusions I have come to in relation to my view on innovation, but also to my personal mission, is that innovation is about doing the work, fighting the hard battle, and rolling up your sleeves, but it is also about the responsibility to change the conversation. I am so grateful for the opportunity to have a channel where I get to do that at scale with and for other amazing leaders, and I want to thank you for all of the support and making that possible for me also wanted to recommend a podcast that I am loving, which is Ty Montague's podcast called Calling Bullshit. It is about purpose washing, so the gap between what organizations say they stand for and what they actually do, and what they would need to change to practice what they preach. So if you are interested in transforming to become a purpose-led business, then join the Bullshit Finding Adventure with Calling Bullshit wherever you listen to podcasts. With that, a quick background and overview of today's conversation. As I mentioned, I have the amazing May Zabinet on, who is talking about an area of payments and financial services space that is highly polarizing, crypto, digital currencies, and blockchain. And May is truly such a leader in innovation, navigates the conversation in such an insightful way, and I think that everyone has a lot to learn from this conversation, if I do say so myself. As always, if you love the podcast, please subscribe or give it a review or share, and let's keep on doing the work and having the conversation. Hi, everyone. Um, Hi, May. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Zoya. I'm Global Product Lead at Win Women in Innovation. So, hi, May. How does it feel to be here, and how is day three of Money 2020 treating you? Hi, Zoya. It's been uh, great. It feels amazing to be here. It's really inspiring to be back, honestly, to conferences and being in person and feeling the energy, especially around all things payments. So it's super fascinating to be here um, and uh, kind of participate. So getting a little bit tired, so I'm glad like the end of the show is kind of coming at least uh, for me to kind of get back home. But it's been absolutely amazing conference. Yeah, I hear you. You know, all the social socialization, it's it's a lot. So definitely exciting. And uh, for those of you who don't know, May has already spoken here at Money 2020, but she is the vice president of blockchain, crypto and digital currencies at PayPal. So really excited to have this conversation. I am so thrilled to not only have you as a guest on the Win Win podcast, but to be coming right here from Money 2020. This is my first time here. You know, there's a lot to being an innovator in this space and a lot to being a woman in this crazy industry. You specifically have 23 plus years of experience working in technology, 
which means that you've seen it all. I mean, you were on the ground during the 99.com boom. You were actually kicking off your role as product marketing manager at PayPal right around the 2008 crisis. And of course, in the last few years, where the industry has seen the rise of fintech, the rise of blockchain, the metaverse, so it will be a fascinating discussion. Um, I know in my overview, I discussed your career, and if my stocking serves me right, this is your seventh role at PayPal in the last 15 years, and the year you joined in 2007, it had $1.8 billion in revenue and announced its partnership with MasterCard. Why did you join PayPal that year, and what was the very first product you worked on when you were there? Oh, you're going to take me back uh, quite far <laughs> back, but it's been in a previously a company called Creative Labs, and we did hardware products and consumer electronics, and so I was really fascinated at the time. The fintech um, kind of payments was all booming, and it was really fascinating space to be in, and a very innovative space. So I really wanted to have the hardware plus the software type of experience, and that was really important for me. And um, I had a friend who was working at PayPal at the time, um, and uh, she and asked me to join in, and that's really kind of the, the start of the journey for there. Um, I joined, I started working on, a, and I'm sorry, I can't even remember which exact which product, <laughs> but it was one of the two. Um, we were launching what's called kind of Payments Pro, which is processing in uh, Canada, and uh, so it was a super exciting time to be able to launch this Payments product in a different market, and then also got to work on the consumer side with a product called um, Basically, it's a buy now, uh, pay later type of product. We had acquired a company, I think it was in 2008, called Bill Me Later mm. at the time. And uh, we had this challenge to integrate it within our company and experiences and scale that across millions of users. So a super exciting and fascinating time that I got to join in. Yeah, and I, I really do take us back there because I want to give you a tremendous amount of credit. I mean, today we are here at Money 2020. There are thousands of people here excited to talk about payments. Payments is the name of the game, but at the time, digital payments were not nearly as accepted as they were today. So was it difficult for you to really get that product market fit or even to communicate the merits of PayPal and, and really explain why what you were doing was not a giant scam or a fraud? <laughs> yeah, I think the, the benefit we had at the time of PayPal, it has such a strong brand and uh, and it's you know all built around like security and trust and consumers and merchants so we have like the benefit of both sides of the network and that was a really powerful thing that we actually have a responsibility to continue to protect and so as digital payments continue to evolve it's like a really fascinating space for us to continue to um, provide you know, new experiences. And I think the challenging part comes when you're delivering the new experiences that you're trying to bring in, right? So things like buy now, pay later at the time, things around like new checkout experiences, mobile payments, which was you know still nascent at the time and, and growing. And so these are all like, these were all the fun times to kind of push the boundaries, but still provide consumers with, and merchants with like needs that they had that were underserved. And that was really the most important part. And as you were like going through that, obviously this is a long time ago, but was there a moment where you suddenly said, okay, I, I can stop fighting now. I can stop trying to prove to people that this is legitimate. Was there a moment for it where you felt like it really clicked with consumers what you were working on throughout your career at PayPal, but especially at the time? So I think because every few years I've done something different, mm -hmm. I think I kind of start back to ground zero for me. So <laughs> I feel like it's, you know, I start on the product and then we feel like we get scale. And then the next thing that I, you know, jump into, I feel like I'm starting back at, um, you know, a starting point. And so 
I think we, we've definitely achieved. I mean, when you look now with the numbers, to your point of where the growth is, where the consumers are, we have like 430 million consumers. We have, you know, scaled across the, you know, global, um, across both consumers and merchants on the payment side. So there's an extremely amount of like fascinating products that we've brought to market and at scale and for mainstream users. And so I think all of those moments and, and you know, that I've been blessed and had the opportunity to be at PayPal and experience, I feel really great, like looking back at those and saying, you know, we, to be part of that journey and to be able to have brought some of these to life. Yeah, no, 100%. And it's so exciting to see that impact on that scale, which is, I'm sure, a big component to your motivations and your career. Before we talk about what you're working on now, you kind of hinted at it, but you've been somebody who's started over and over at PayPal, at these new teams with these new innovations. What do you think draws you to those kinds of teams? And are there any overarching lessons that you take with you as you go back to, quote unquote, ground zero, starting those new teams? I just love the ability to create and build. And so I think it's part of the nature. You have to know what you love to do. Mm. And you have to respect that and know that's where you are your best. And that's for me what kind of what it is. And so I'm constantly drawn to the space that's, that isn't defined, a space that I get to kind of think about what could it be, what can it be, how do we shape it? And that's really what drives me. And so as long as you kind of know that about yourself, then those opportunities, not only do people look for them for you, but you also like are able to identify them more because you're aware that's kind of where your fit is and what you feel your purpose is to be able to do. And so I think that really what draws me, I think lessons, it's tough because every, you know, every product has been quite different, but I think you really apply the same lessons throughout, right? It's you need to start somewhere. You need to start with the consumers. You need to never forget that. You need Mm. to stay focused. And so if you keep the core principles of what has worked, and you can kind of use that playbook. And it, although it's different products, you, you still use that same playbook in order to you know, manifest and bring these experiences to scale. And so that's kind of been the most powerful thing to be able to do. Right, absolutely. And again, you've done it over and over again. So clearly there is something in it that's still exciting and motivating for you. Fast forwarding to today, you started your own team. You're focused on next-gen payments and digital currencies, obviously the talk of the town here at Money 2020, but really globally too. So how did that specific opportunity come about? So I was uh, I was fortunate to have worked with, who's um, my boss right now, who actually leads the crypto unit. And I was working with him in a different capacity. And uh, so he was in the BD space and we were actually supporting from a solution selling perspective. And so... He knew of me and um, obviously we had worked together. And so as he was creating this unit, um, he was building out a product role and then kind of tapped me for it and said, hey, I think you'll be perfect for this. And, um, you know, you bring kind of the strengths and the customer focus around it. And for me, it was it was just a perfect opportunity to kind of start again and build a team and start in a space, you know, doing the things that I love. And so and helping to kind of define what's the next wave of like the payments industry. So. That's really, like I said, it was somebody, kind of one of those perfect moments, right, where somebody kind of knows where your skills are and then kind of sees that fit and then has an opportunity and approaches you. And I think a lot of times when you just take those and run with it, you, you find that you're just, it's completely sets your path in a different journey. 
100%. And I think with your path, there are so many unknowns, both I'm sure for better and for worse in this space. But, you know, we talked about some of the overarching lessons a little bit, but how do you feel starting this team and this endeavor, even just from building up, finding the other people? Because when you're working in a space like innovation, there is no cookie cutter degree that you can have or a cookie cutter previous job. So how did you go about, you know, starting this team, attracting the right talent, and also even knowing what to look for in that innovator skill set? Yeah, I think you have to kind of know how you operate as a leader, and then that's one of the most important things. And then you have to think about what are the right things needed for the team in the space. And so for me, I, I, I love people that are restless. It's a lot about the characteristics, right, of the person. It doesn't always mean they have to come with like the crypto experience, for example, in the specific incident it's just more about like the you know the things that they bring the skill sets they bring so they're restless they're curious they're you know they have a passion and a commitment and they a customer focus that just overrides anything else and as they think about that you know they're also very resilient they're going to face things that they need to still be you know very determined and continue to solve for and not give up and so i think those are to me once you find people like that and you know what to look for in people to be successful in this type of an environment that's honestly then you have that makeup of like the perfect team and i think that is one of the most critical things for success honestly it's the team that makes everything succeed it's not one person in the team it's how they all work together and so you also have to then think about the personalities that will go together. You can't have people who aren't collaborative. You can't mm. have people that aren't able to kind of, you know, work together. And so as you think of that, that's the really a critical component. 100%. Also, I think something that you mentioned is really that composition of that larger team, which is really, really critical. But I would also be remiss not to call out that this notion of leadership and the expectations around leadership also changes your advance in your career. And I think that's true for any career. But in innovation specifically, I think there are some you know, components to being a visionary or to being an executor. So as you think about innovation as a whole, what does that look like at more senior levels? So what are you looking for in some of the more senior leaders for that innovation pathway versus, let's say, some of the more junior ones? And you yourself, how has your leadership as an innovation leader evolved? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that um, for the senior leaders that I look for in my team, they need to be able to articulate like where they want to go. They need to be able to repeatedly sell that vision back to everybody else in the organization. So they have to kind of be able to carry that weight um, mm -hmm. and be able to figure out how to unblock things, how to unblock teams. Like they have to be that pillar and that strength and that communication expert that can really carry everything forward. And that's like extremely critical. Then they also have to be good at, you know, identifying talent because they will grow the next level of leaders, right? And so it's really important that they are able to identify who's good or or not and how to shape those and how to help them, how to help people grow, how to give them opportunities because the more you can do that, the more then you reach people's kind of best state and that's when you get best products. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of really what I look for. As far as kind of my leadership style, I think that... Um, it continues to evolve, but it's continuously also the same, to be honest. And so I feel like at, as long as, you know, I've been very authentic to who I am, um, there's a certain way that I lead teams. You know, we work hard, but we're very humble. And it's, uh, we love, we get really excited about just building and like solving for customers. And 
that is, as it look, look at every single team that I've led, those are kind of really the core fundamentals that have been part of my journey and my leadership. And I love even that you use the word we, right? I was asking about your style, but you use the word we, which is so, so indicative and so exciting to see. I also think that when it comes to innovation, people really try to think of that like most high tech thing that we can do, but outside just looking at the customer. I also think empathy along the way is so critical because there are so many emotions involved in this space that I'm sure it's a big component. I don't know if you've seen that. I do, and I think that there is no such thing as a product without an emotion. Like mm -hmm. that is the whole thing that ties you to a product is how you feel about it and how it makes you feel. And so I think you actually like nailed that. I think it's it's exactly what we need to strive for. Right, and we'll talk about gender a lot in this podcast. Emotion is sometimes such a sticky and a word with negative connotation, and, and that also plays in with this idea of risk, right? I, I'll be the first to raise my hand here and say, that I've been grappling with this idea of risk in my own career. And it's something that I do see women talk about more and more, especially as they get more senior in their careers. And you know, data shows that men are less risk averse in their careers too. So I think there's a comparison there too. For you personally, what are some risks that you took in your career that have been really pivotal or maybe even some risks that you didn't take and, <laughs> and wish you did? Oh, that's a tough question. I, risks that I've taken, Honestly, I've been pretty much every jump that I've done and every product that I've, you know, because starting from something that's not been defined is a risk on its own. Mm. And so continuing in that journey and thinking about, you know, can you do it? Will you be able to succeed? Will this be meaningful or not? Could you, you know, be able to build? Those are all, you know, it just depends on the type of risk we're talking about. But that, that kind of is always an inherent risk. But without it being risky, you kind of don't get challenged and you don't get to learn. So... I, th I don't see it as like a high risk thing because I think that no matter what experience you take, you will always learn something from it. And so I, I think I, I think that's really where how I look at it. I don't think there's anything I look back and say that I regret I didn't take or I didn't mm -hmm. do or didn't jump on. I think every single path and turn in my life has been leading me somewhere. I don't honestly know where that's going to be and where it's going, mm -hmm. but I'm definitely sure that every experience I've had has built me to be something, you know, with either a different piece of perspective or a different, you know, set of leadership skills or experience that's kind of been able to round me out into, and I'm super excited about that because then it just, you know, you just don't know what's coming next in life and you just have to be ready to keep going. I couldn't agree with that more and I personally relate to it because I actually took a role for a very specific project and I was so excited and I spent almost two years working on it and it never saw the light of day. And I remember in that moment, a few friends asking me like, would you have taken the job if you knew the outcome? And I really, really stand by taking that role because even just you know the process on its own, but also having the experience of failure, I think is, is really critical. But I do want to double down a little bit more about risk in this most recent role, because obviously you're not just talking about taking a new role, a new team in your organization. I mean, lots of people have things to say about the subject matter that you're working on and you know PayPal's role in it. So how did you think about risk when it came to this most recent role, knowing all of the additional context? I think it just makes it even more exciting <laughs> because it just, you know, it becomes like the bar is higher. Yes. You have a higher responsibility to solve for customers in a, in a really safe, secure and trusted way. You have a higher bar to set on like seamless experiences because it's, it's not as, you know, easy across the industry. 
you have, um, you need to think about education. Education is so important and such a key critical factor in this space. Um, and so you need to think about things way even beyond that what you normally would. And so I just think it makes it that much more compelling for me and it draws me in more because it's not defined. It does have a lot of opinions, but at least there's a conversation. And I think that's the most powerful thing. Like it's better that there's a conversation than there's not. And anybody can have their opinion about, you know, where PayPal should or shouldn't play. And, and that's okay. That's great. Like everybody has the right to voice that. And um, I think as long as we're kind of doing good for the industry and the ecosystem where we're helping consumers and we're solving underserved needs and we're driving things forward, then it just makes everything, you know, at the end worth it even when it comes to money and payments and building those products, just the fact by the sheer nature that we know all about, you know, the wage gap, we know about the investing gap, but here where you have an opportunity to build something that clearly is making such an impact and such a splash and you get the chance to, to really build this product as a woman leader. Um, crypto especially has been associated with a certain type of culture, which tends to be male skewed and I'll go as far as to say bro-y. So how have you personally found your place in the space and has the role of gender been a consideration in the last 20 years in your career and in the last year in this role? Yeah, I, I love actually that um, it, it for me to be in this space and to be where I'm at. And even though it does have a more male dominated kind of aspect to it, to, to be able to be at this kind of spearhead and, and, and able to lead it because that on its own is breaking a boundary, right? That on its own is telling people we are and can be more mainstream and bring diversification and think of experiences, you know, in a completely well-rounded way because we're bringing everybody to the table. And actually, that's what I love about what PayPal's done, about the team that we've built and um, about, my, you know, my leader for having even approached me for this. I think those are really the fundamentals If we want to build inclusive products. We have to then design and to be at that forefront and, and be able to be there is just absolutely fascinating. Gender, um, I will probably step back a little bit and, and maybe share with you a bit more personally about me. So I um, grew up, and, and you and I didn't have a chance to chat about this, but <laughs> I actually was born and raised in the Middle East, um, and specifically in Jordan. Um, and it's a very kind of warm culture. It's uh, a very rich culture, as you know, kind of from the region. Um, I went to American school, so I got the chance to really have that um, ability to kind of think critically, be exposed to different literature, different ways of teaching, and so you kind of get to get both best of both worlds, right, from that. I've been super fortunate, like I'm um, eternally grateful to my parents for everything that they've given me, and one is that they were a massive believer in education, that that was the tool that you succeeded in. They inspired and instilled in me the confidence of like the art of the possible and that, you know, never the impossible. It was always like you could be anything, do anything you wanted. Like there was nothing that couldn't stop you. And those are like the fundamentals. And then of course you layer like the work ethic and the humility, you know, you do what's right because it's important to, to do it. Not because you ever got patted in the back that didn't happen. And you know, our family, like you did right because you just had to do right. It's the nope. right thing to do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think you, I know you can relate to this. So I think as, as we think about, as I think about all those things and gender is just one part of me, right? And it's all those different lenses and experiences that you then layer in together as a human being and you kind of come to the table and you're able to, you're able to shelf, you know, shape such a different lens. And that's so unique and that's powerful. And I actually think that the more that we can bring ourselves to the table, the more we can bring our experiences, whatever pieces and parts those are, 
the more we can build like the best products for the world and for like the future. Um, and I, I, so yeah, I just, I have to say like, I really love your podcast and I am, and I was sharing this with you right before, but I think it's such a fascinating thing that you've taken, you've seen a gap, you've taken the step and you're, you are leading. So you are a perfect example of like something that you've taken and brought it to action. And I think that's, it's really important because like paying it forward is, and being able to act and not just like say things is really what will help shape and move us forward like holistically. And I do love, I, I will share um, just one more thing about Please. you. I know this podcast is the other <laughs> way, but I do have to share no, this. No, it's a conversation. Thank um, you. I love the one, uh, the recent podcast that was done with Ty because I, I think, uh, I think it was Ty Montague about mm -hmm. purpose. And I think what I loved about it is especially how it was all set up and, and that you were thinking not just about like, you know, the, of course, the females and the gender of it, but you're thinking of the allyship. And I think that was extremely important perspective to bring in. No, I, I so appreciate it. It was a really important part that we do continue the engagement amongst women and men and hopefully continue growing that. So I really do appreciate that. And it's funny that you mentioned that. I also was raised in American international schools in the Middle East with international parents. So I, I definitely agree with that. And I think to me, one of the key kind of themes of innovation and my personal mission is instead of asking why, ask why not. And, you know, I would even extend that to imposter syndrome instead of saying, why me? The question should be, why not me? And so I'd love to hear more about what innovation means to you in terms of your personal mission. You've really worked on zero to one projects, so I'm sure it's maybe been a little bit more obvious in your career. But generally speaking, how do you think about innovation and implementing it into your career and in your product? Yeah, I think innovation is not necessarily this like massive revolution. It can be just be a simple evolution of things. And I think it um, sometimes we, we think, oh my gosh, it's, it's innovative. It has to look like this, feel like this. And it's actually not. Sometimes the simplest, most perfect ways to innovate is to just take people on a journey. And sometimes they don't even know they've kind of gone on that journey with you. Um, but at the end of the day, it has to be something that delivers value. And it has to be something that brings something forward for people, for society, for customers. Uh, to me, every single thing that I touch, no matter what it is that I'm looking at and what product I'm, or feature or anything, like I feel like I'm constantly innovating because we're constantly pushing the boundaries. Mm. And kind of to your, your you know, point on like, why not? Um, it's like when we look at the feature or we look at something to do, it's like, what can we do better? Mm -hmm. And it's really that that you keep pushing yourself and pushing the boundaries. And that is what that restlessness and that constant like thinking around it and how to iterate and make it better is really what drives everything forward. And also when you think about incremental innovation, right? I mean, one of the benefits I'm sure at being at a larger financial institution is like even that incremental innovation is going to have such a huge impact on millions of people. I'm sure you've seen that in your own career. Absolutely. And honestly, that's one of the things I love working at a bigger company about. It's mm -hmm. just the, the ability like to have economies at scale is just one of one of the most exciting things for me. Like you can launch a product and you can actually impact like millions of people in a positive way. And that's just it's just super like inspiring to be able to do that. Yeah, I do want to dive deeper into blue sky innovation, though. I mean, sometimes when you're doing that blue sky innovation work, it almost feels and I know the listeners can't see my big air quotes, but it feels like unreal to other people. And whether it's going to fundamentally change the way we live, work, play, whatever it may be. And sometimes when people have an innovation, it's very obvious and it clicks to people. So 
I don't need to tell you this, but you're working on a product that is continuously up for debate. There's lots of conversations and questions about finding the perfect use case, but you are at a company that has 400 million plus users. How do you balance solving for customer pain points and forging ahead on something that may be too innovative for the average customer to understand or connect with? Yeah, I think one of the things that we have to think about is we don't need to be the first for everything, right? And mm -hmm. I will um, borrow this from somebody that said this. Um, he said, we, we, we don't have to be first, but we want to be forever. And mm -hmm. I think that's the mentality you have to walk into. So we weren't the first to offer, you know, the ability to buy, sell, hold cryptocurrencies in, in you know, wallets. But we were the first to do it in such a mainstream uh, scale. And so when you start to think about that, that's, that is, in a sense, you know, it's not revolutionizing, but it is now enabling mainstream access. And so as you start to kind of think about things that are like, how do you take something that is not necessarily as understood to mainstream users, ensure that they then get the education they need. They, you know, they, you go slowly in the journey. They're, it's familiar for them because they're using the PayPal app or the Venmo app. You, so you have to think of ways to introduce it that makes sense for them from the brand that they know and the trust and the things that they look for and they've relied on all this time. But then you need to take those components and kind of start making it, kind of advancing that into crypto, right? And so I think those are the things that um, I don't think anybody should ever be scared of like kind of the blue sky thinking. I think it's just a matter of how you how you introduce it to customers, how you, you evolve it, how do you stay true to what value you bring? How do you also stay normal to it? Like there's things we could do in the crypto payments industry that is completely going to, you know, it could be like we, we go into something, let's just, you know, make this up. Like we're going to design NFTs, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a natural brand extension. And so right. while we could do it and we could participate, that doesn't really make sense for our brand or payments and commerce um, company, right? And so if you stay true to kind of what it is and then you evolve when it it actually feels then very normal for customers to adapt and, and kind of adopt with you in the journey. And to kind of ask the question maybe in, in an inverse, why did it feel right for PayPal to be channel for some of this innovation and this blue sky thinking? Great, we're a payments and commerce uh, player for like over 20 years. We know that a payment's not just a, about it, you know the transaction itself, it's everything that goes around it. And it's the, you think of like the disputes, the security, the onboarding, like all of these are what make consumers feel safe to transact. And, and that's what we feel we can bring. There is so much that can be still modernized with the financial system. We, you know, we believe in democratizing financial uh, services in people's lives. And so as you put those together, we're actually the perfect player to be able to come in in a mainstream way. We hand in hand, you know, with obviously in a responsible way with regulators and, and the, you know, in the industry, but be able to now kind of push those boundaries and say, how do we now evolve payments even further? And I think that's completely our responsibility to do. We should be evolving it. You know, we do need to be innovating and we do need to be, you know, taking things forward. And so I think it's a, it's a, you know, a really great question that you've asked. And I think it's just a, for me, and that's why I'm so excited about it, is like, it is just the perfect opportunity for us to be that player, you know, a player in the ecosystem. For sure. And 
as you consider the market, you know, we've talked a little bit about the product and then thinking about product market fit specifically in this innovative space and in the use case specifically that you're talking about, how are you measuring product market fit, right? Given that there is so much unknown, are there any KPIs that excite you? Or how are you, you know, even telling your team like success to us means? Mainstream adoption. So access and utility, like mm -hmm. the more users that we can bring in in a responsible way, in an educated way, in a trusted way, and provide them the utility and the access in, in this safe environment, um, holistically, is at the end of the day when you know you've, you've achieved it. And customers are both consumers and merchants, right, mm -hmm. for us because of the power of the two-sided network. And on the flip side, again, are there any metrics that you're saying, ah, these are vanity metrics, I'm not paying attention to this, or... I mean, things that we don't necessarily look at is like the you know, some of the volatility that's been kind of ongoing. Those aren't the things that excite us. Those, mm -hmm. those aren't the things like we know there's going to be ups and downs kind of in 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 the crypto ecosystem. Um, so perseverance and looking at things for the long term is really kind of what we have to stay true to. We're here to solve you know payments needs and use cases. We're not here kind of because the market went up or down, right? But we are here to ensure our consumers are protected, that you know, if there's there's anything that happens from you know account takeover, PayPal is there to support them, PayPal is there to provide for them and protect them. And that's where we feel like, you know, that's our perfect, honestly, market fit for exactly what we're doing. Makes a ton, a ton of sense. And given your focus on the consumer and the consumer experience, you know, I've seen it from seeing you speak before, but even in this podcast, how are you keeping those lines of communication open with customers at such a big company? How are you really ensuring that you have a clear customer feedback loop? Yeah, there's many different ways. Um, so there's there's obviously some public stuff that you know consumers give. There's in-product kind of feedback and analytics. There's also just looking at the numbers themselves. As and um, we have what we call, for example, voice of customer programs. And so and of course there's research that we do also. And so when you pull all those pieces together, you really start seeing kind of that broader story, and you start to seeing trends, and you start thinking about kind of what our customers you know, wanting, asking, or needing, and how do you adapt and ensure that you're still delivering that best product for them? And I imagine it helps you, you know, really cut through a lot of the noise. <laughs> exactly, and you know, I think one thing, like, uh, so it's like so important to also think about human-centered design. Like, mm -hmm. I think it's not just about like, what do you want from a customer or what's the coolest thing that's happening in the industry, because that's like, that would be really hard to, to try to keep up with. And that's really not, when you keep focused on like, what is the long game that you're trying to go after? And like, how do people just deal with um, money or think about you know payments and when you go back to fundamentals and you stay grounded and I think that's that's kind of what keeps us as a pillar going forward amazing well thank you so so much before I let you go I do have one last question that I ask all of the innovators that come on this podcast where do you see yourself and your industry one month from now one year from now and 10 years from now Gosh, it's uh, really hard to help me predict the crypto industry for <laughs> 10 years from now. <laughs> you can but, start uh, with you. <laughs> but let's, uh, uh, no, I think what I'd say is like, I, let me take it from a payments perspective rather than a specifically crypto. I hope uh, and, and really do believe that in 10 years we will be able to um, see some meaningful adoption and scale uh, from in a mainstream way for, for crypto payments. And so 
being able to, no matter what that is, that you know, that we can kind of bring forward, that is going to be something that I really hope happens within 10 years. Uh, for myself personally, I, I really don't know. Um, I'm kind of the person that uh, opportunities have come and, and they've kind of defined my next journey. I just hope no matter what I'm doing is that I'm doing something I love and that I feel purposeful and I feel like really just energizes me. And that's that's really what I, I hope that that's been true for me for the past 10 years and I hope stays true for the next 10 years. Super, super inspiring. Before I do extra let you go, anything on the short term that's exciting to you, both personally and or in the payments or crypto industry? There is, there's still a lot to do in the short term and a lot of experiences I'd love to, you know, launch faster and sooner and, and get there. So, um, but you'll just have to stay tuned and stay in touch with us and um, hopefully we can share those with you. Absolutely. Thank you so, so much for joining me on the Win Win Podcast, May. Thank you so much, Zoya. Thanks for listening to Win Win, brought to you by Win, Women in Innovation, and myself, Zoya Kozakal. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and visit womenininnovation.co to learn more about our organization, programming, and other opportunities. And remember, when women innovate, we all win.